Welcome to the Alien Beer Podcast. My name is Chrissy Garrison. I'm an independent science fiction and fantasy author, and I will be reading my stories to you. Characters are people too, at least inside my mind they are. When I bring characters from one story into another, I find that I still have a mental model of that character pretty much ready to use, even if it seems strange to put them in a new situation, cold. It's been fun to have Lee and Dion from my other novel, Reality Check, appear in the Multiverse Blues, even if they're not the main characters this time around. In this chapter of the Multiverse Blues, Jules meets up with old friends, makes some new ones, and comes up with a rescue plan. The Multiverse Blues, Chapter 24, They're Red Hot You know, it wasn't the first time I'd landed in jail. It was just my first time in another dimension. And you know, I kind of knew that my first visitor in jail would be me. I just wasn't sure which me that might be. Hello, Jules, said my double from Aird. She stood on the other side of the bars, wearing a navy blue, no-nonsense, full-skirted dress. She looked no worse for the wear of having been marooned in Theta for a day. She leaned on a folded parasol of the same color as she gazed at me with cold eyes. I should have guessed. What do you want? I asked, not rising from the hard bunk of my dank cell. She smiled. Is that any way to greet your sister? You're not my sister. You're not even me. I'd never try to murder people like you have. I'd never resort to kidnapping babies. She arched an eyebrow at me. Would you not? You made off with that baby, Tristellian, easily enough. But you're right. We are not the same. You have not experienced the kind of loss I have. You have drifted through life without passion, Jules. You don't know what it is to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Not like I do. Now I did stand, to look her in the eye. Really? I'm curious. What could drive someone like me to go to the lengths you have? Her eyes flattened, and her jaw set as she fixed me with an icy glare. My father. He was a Dixie soldier. Part of the Arn Liberation Force. He died for his country, cut off by the actions of the formerly impartial Arch Authority, left to die on alien soil. I swallowed the nasty retort I'd prepared to throw back at her and said, I'm sorry for your loss. My father left my mother when I was young. I didn't really know him. For what it might be worth, I envy you having gotten to know him at all. Her lip curled into a sneer, and she said, I do not think you would trade places with me if you went through what I have been through. I sighed and shook my head. I suppose I wouldn't. Fine, whatever. Did you come to see me only to tell me how much worse you have it than me? I came to see what you might tell me in order to gain your freedom. Where is the Tristellian and the child? I snorted. I couldn't tell you if I wanted to. We used your fancy portal gun to get here, but Dribbler and I didn't see anyone else when we arrived. Maybe they fell through into a different world? She studied me. You're telling the truth, or you think you are. I shrugged. Can't fool myself, can I? She turned and dismissed me with a wave and took a couple of steps to leave. I called after her. Hey, wait! Where's Dribbler? What's going to happen to us? She glanced over her shoulder. You'll be held here until we have no further use for you. I needed more to go on. How'd you even get out of Theta Earth after I left there? Did you go hang gliding over the lake? Her eyes narrowed. You are not the only one with secrets and tricks. Dixie has more resources than you know. 
I know Jack about Dixie, other than a good friend of mine comes from there. She smiled. Ah, yes, your good friend, Mr. Harper. Such a good friend to me, too. He gave me your itinerary. How else do you think I found you so easily? I must have gaped like a fool, because Erd Jules laughed at me, her eyes still narrowed. She said, Poor naive Beta Jules, you take so much at face value. Like Delta Jules, that was me. I arrived in Delta after you took the local Jules specs and went on your rescue mission. I disposed of that one to take their place at the theater, hoping to get you to spill what you did with Carl. That, or get a moment alone with Hope to abuse her trust in you to do away with her. I did get to press Harlan for more intel on my way out, at least. Her words knocked the wind out of me, and all I could do was shake my head in disbelief. She laughed again and blew me a kiss. Farewell, Jules. I do not think we shall meet again. I watched speechless as she swept away down the hall. A door creaked open and then shut again with a final sort of clang. I slumped back down upon my bunk for I don't know how long, thoughts swirling within my head like an aching whirlpool. Jules, came a hissed voice from nearby. I sat up. Dribbler, where are you? Next cell over. I heard everything. What an evil bitch. I'm glad you're not... Listen, Dribs, I'd really rather not talk about it. Got any ideas about what happened to the others or a way out of here? Because I could really use some hope right now. Amen to that. Hope is something we both need. Someone, too, I added. Yeah, I feel like she'd know what to do, but I sure don't. The door creaked open again, and another familiar voice reached my ears. Lazy, good for nothing, just sitting around on your butts while trouble's brewing. Harlan stood before us, grinning, wearing what I realized must be a military uniform of the United States of Dixie. I leaped to my feet and grasped the bars. Harlan! You double-crossing traitor, growled Dribbler from next door. Harlan held up his hands, palms toward us, as if to push back our words. Now, just hold on now, gents. We got us a situation, there's no doubt about that. And it looks bad, I know. A little bird just told me that you sold us out, I said. Is it true? Harlan slumped and wouldn't meet my eyes. Yeah, it's true. Or it was, but it isn't anymore. It wasn't supposed to go like that. I heard Dribbler rattle the bars of his cell. What was it supposed to go like, you fucker? Maybe you'd get a chance to sneak up to Hope's room and slit her throat? Maybe strangle her with sound cables? No, he whispered. No, I was just a spy. I needed to find out what I could about Tristellians and why the Arch needed them. Hired on with Hope a couple of years ago as a bodyguard, learned the ropes of running the stage, and became part of the family. Family, I cried. What kind of family gives information to people who hunt their kin? He held up his hands again. No, nothing like that. At least I didn't know nothing about killing anyone. We were freedom fighters, trying to take down the empire the Arch was building, so they couldn't oppress us or other worlds no more. No one told me Hope would be in danger. Like both of you, I fell for her hard. I'd do anything to protect her. I did protect her. When that handoff turned out to be an attempted bombing, and when your twin from here showed up to assassinate Hope, I did everything I could to protect her and the rest of the family. Please believe me. He reached up to brush his fingers across the shortened sleeve of his uniform and what was left of his other arm. If that's so, I said between my teeth, why are you on that side of the bars? Harlan smiled. 
because they think I'm still on their side. But, Dribbler was cut off as Harlan reached out into a pocket and brought out a small handheld two-way radio that looked like it was from Radio Shack. Harlan pressed a button on the side of the radio and spoke. Yeah, we're ready for you. The sooner, the better. Better back up, he added, as he dashed back down the hallway. I retreated until my back pressed against the far wall of my cell. The air in the prison hallway glittered and wavered like a heat mirage, and then sunlight streamed in like a solid cylinder as rubble from the edge of a large new hole crumbled down into the hall. The sunlight was blotted out by something large outside. A deep warbling noise preceded a rope ladder that tumbled down through the hole. A woman in a long, full dress made of green metallic material descended the ladder, carrying what looked to me like a black leather medical bag. She adjusted a tiny hat of matching material upon her honey-blonde hair. She turned to face Harlan, and the two sized each other up. "'Ma'am,' said Harlan, bowing at the waist. The woman waved her hands. "'No time for formal introductions. Are you with us or with Dixie?' "'I'm with you, Miss Sutton.' I realized with a start that this was Air Dion. I called out, Harlan's with us, despite the uniform, Miss Sutton. Actually, said Air Dion, taking something the shape and size of a clothes iron out of the bag, it's Ms. Sutton. I'm married, but I kept my surname. Please remain away from the bars, and I'll get you out of there in an instant. Mr. Harlan, climb up into the ship if you wish to go with us. As I watched, she held the iron up to the lock on the bars. With a zap, the air around the lock blurred, and the lock was simply gone. Dion favored me with a half-smile and said, You must be Beta Jules. Pleased to meet you. Let me get your friend out, and we'll be off. I pushed the cell door out of my way, avoiding the spot where the lock had been, for fear it might be hot. With another zap, Dribbler joined Dion and me in the hallway. He gave her a salute. Dion shooed us toward the ladder. We really have very little time before my ship is fired on by Dixie, so let us make our escape with all haste. I followed Harlan up the ladder, wondering at the colorful flashing lights inside the circular hatchway above us. I cried out as a familiar face appeared inside that circle. Hope, you're okay. She smiled and beckoned to me. Climb faster, love. This craft has been damaged before. It would be a shame to let the locals ruin the work Ms. Sutton has done to repair it. I emerged into a much larger circular area, with banks of lights and screens surrounding us. What, are we on a spaceship now? I asked, my voice quavering with disbelief. Not quite, sang Hope. Baby Lucy gurgled and clicked from within a blanket, bundled up and held in Hope's arms. My voice shook as I said, Hope, Marcy didn't make it through the portal, and they shot Babs and Zamboni. Hope stared at me, then closed her eyes and seemed to go elsewhere for a moment. When she opened them again, she said, I believe them to still be alive. I shook my head. How can you know that? She touched her muzzle with a finger. They are my kin. I wouldn't know if they had died. They persist. I am certain we will see them again, though I don't know when. A man I hadn't noticed yet interrupted. Not a spaceship, but she can handle the upper stratosphere at least, if that's where we end up. He wore a slick blue suit of odd design and sat at one of the consoles on the perimeter of the room. But that's not where we're headed. I must have stared because he blinked and said, Oh, hi there. I'm Lee Green. I'm from Alpha. It's kind of a long story. 
Following Dribbler, Dion joined us and shut the hatch. He's my husband from another world. The first interdimensional traveler, in fact. At least, that we know of, among humans. To Lee, she said, Darling, it might be wise to make a scarce one way or another. A racetrack of lights chased each other around an upper edge of the room, and I had the sensation of motion, but not in any particular direction. The deep warbling sound from earlier accompanied the sense of motion. The strangest thing happened just then. The sound of rapid gunfire chattered nearby outside the ship, but rather than impacting the hull, bullets flew through the cabin of the ship like ghosts of angry hornets. I couldn't help myself. I cried out. It's okay, said Lee. We're out of phase with Aird, just nudging us a few tenths of a degree askew to into another world, and almost Aird if you get my meaning. So wait, said Dribbler, finally joining the conversation. Are you telling me that this isn't a spaceship, it's a verse ship? Like Hope's folks fly around in? Hope chuckled. My dear Dribbler, it isn't like one of our verse ships. It is one of our verse ships. I'd know this ship anywhere. It's the one my family and friends used to flee Tristel's doom. Dion had installed herself at a console next to Lee, and her fingers flew over buttons and screens as she helped fly the ship. I found the ship crashed in the Smoky Mountains on Delta. It's salvage, really, she said with a subtle lilt to her voice. We left it out of phase, sang Hope. I am surprised you could find her, even in non-functional state. Given your reputation, I am not as surprised that you managed to repair her. I took careful steps, hanging onto occasional railings that were provided to stand near Air Dion. The Dion of my world sent us to find you. She said you could help us, and that Hope could help end the Arch Authority. Do you know what she was talking about? Air Dion's eyes twinkled as she kept them fixed on the monitors and controls in front of her. I have a very good idea as to what she meant. Now that we have Hope on board, we might have a chance of rescuing the others. Others? You mean the other Tristellians? She nodded and gave me a quick glance between keystrokes. Quite. She can provide a quantum connection between herself and those she traveled with in this ship. All we need now is to find a point outside of space-time where we may, may access them and to be in two places at once. To two places at once, I stammered. She nodded and smiled, and her tiny hat threatened to dislodge itself from her head. This ship is powered by a type of artificial singularity which allows us to be both in normal space and outside of it at the same time. We can hardly avoid it, but we need space in a world to anchor, like the other end of the arch gateways. So the ship is both there and out in, in the in-between space. It is in that between space that we may be able to reach Hope's relations. However, she needs to be the conduit to guide them, feet planted firmly on a world outside while we guide the others in from between space using her like a beacon. I'm not certain how we can accomplish this. It may take some time to invent a linkage to allow her quantum signature to beckon to the others. Hope, I said, I think I have an idea. She smiled. I think I know your idea. To Dion, I said, Hope and I are able to join our minds. While she's outside forming the anchor, I could be here in the ship, acting as this end of the beacon. Dion turned her full attention to me, her eyes wide with delight. That's fantastic. All we need now is a disconnected world in quantum proximity to the arch worlds and a vantage in between space 
that will serve as a good spot for us to be a beacon and pull those Tristillians through. It was my turn to smile again. I know a great out-of-the-way place we could use. I even have a friend there. Dion fixed the angle of the ridiculous little hat on her head and said, Wonderful, except being disconnected, we'd have to find this place you know. Do you have anything from there that I could use to get a fix on its location? I hooked a thumb into the cable-knit maroon sweater Jimmy'd given me to wear. Sure do. I'm wearing it. Made on Theta Earth. Thank you for listening to the Alien Beer Podcast. If you like my stories, please visit my website, sillyhatbooks.com. I publish as E. Chris Garrison, and my books may be found in paperback, ebook, and audiobook format on Amazon.com and other places. The theme music for Alien Beer Podcast is Phantom from Space by Kevin McLeod. I very much enjoy feedback on this podcast and on my stories, so please leave comments on my website, visit me at at ECGarrison on Twitter, ECrisGarrison on Facebook, or drop me an email at ECG at SillyHatBooks.com. Armcast, Dead Sexy Podcasts. I'm your host, Armand Rosamilia. Fridays exclusively on Project Entertainment Network, where I interview authors, publishers, editors, artists, filmmakers, narrators, the lady from Walmart, whoever I feel like talking to. That's every Friday, Armcast, right here on Project Entertainment Network. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.